Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. He's in great hands this morning. My brother, he's anointed. He loves God uh, with all his heart. And he has, he has become a preacher that I am beginning to really, really admire and actually take notes when he's preaching. That, uh, that doesn't happen a lot. Uh, so, Brother Angel, I want to give this mic to you, brother, and I want God to just speak through you. I want to thank the pastoral team as well, Pastor Ryan, uh, Pastor Melissa, Danny, Pastor Benita, Pastor Demaris, Pastor Brandon. Man, we, got a, we got a good pastoral team here, don't we? Um, but I just want to thank you for the opportunity. Because, you know, you said some, you know, very nice and genuine words, but honestly, it's us who receives a lot from you guys as well. Every time that you guys have brought a word, it's always been something that's been uplifting. It's been something that's maybe it's an exhortation, right? And it's something that we need sometimes. We may not always want to hear the truth, but the truth will always confront. Amen. So uh, thank you for the for for giving me the honor and the privilege and, uh, you know, and to some people, the burden, because it's like, man, you prepare for maybe 10 to 12 hours a week to, to bring a, a 30 to 40 minute sermon. And you're like, oh, man, where has all this time gone? Um, but I've learned that, that in the process of studying, there's a lot of things that you encounter that you learn that's that's meant to be for you. Right. So you 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 pray and you ask God, what is what is your will? What is it that you want me to say to your people? What is it that you want your church to hear? And I believe that I have a word for you today that. Pastor uh, Ryan recently brought, and I, I believe that uh, he said it best. I think we're tr- God is trying to drill some things into your guys' head, into your spirit. So with that being said, let's go ahead and stand up for the word. Um, we're going to be reading out of Psalms 27. Do we have any psalmists in the house? Oh, Pastor Ryan, I don't know. Let's try this again. Do we have any psalmists in the house? Psalms 27. When you guys have it, if I can get that strong Pentecostal, amen. All right. So we're going to be doing a little bit of reading. I know that this is a, a, a church that loves to read, right? So we're going to be reading the entire chapter. Don't worry, it's only 14 verses. All right. So the word of the Lord says this, and I, and I read this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host uh, encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I I shall be confident. One thing, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle in the secret place of his tent. He will hide me. He will lift me up, lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. 
Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in the level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such is breathed out in violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the waiting. Now I want you to pay special attention to this last verse. Wait for the Lord. Can you guys say that with me? Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for this day. We thank you for your mercy and your grace, Father. Father, I believe that you've given me this word, my God, to preach this out. Let it be more of you and less of me, my God. Anoint thy lips, Father, that your uh, your words be heard in every ear, my God. I pray, Father, that ears uh, be attentive to hearing. I pray that eyes be uh, spiritually open, my God. I pray that minds be freed, Father. And I pray that the heart, uh, that the word fall on a fertile ground, my God. I pray all this in the name of Jesus, Father. And the church said, Amen. 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 So it's funny. Uh, I want to give you guys a little a pretext as to what led me to, to this uh, chapter here. To be very honest and transparent, this is a word that I preached in Spanish uh, a few, maybe about a month ago. Um, and, you know, when Pastor Ryan asked me to preach, I said, sure. Um, not a big deal. You know, I started going to prayer and th- there, was a, uh, there, was, there was a word that was started, uh, you know, fe- like really sitting in my spirit. And it was around solitude. And there's a lot that we can gain from being uh, just alone with God, right? There's a lot of things that we that can happen um, in the solitude. We're forged in the solitude. Um, but then, literally Friday evening, I started to get a disturbance. And, 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 and a good disturbance, by the way. But I went to the Lord in prayer because I was like, there's something to hear that, you know, I, I just want to make sure, I, I want to hear everything that you have to say, Right? So I, I told my sister, she's like, where are you going? Are you done with your sermon? I said, no, I, I think God is changing it up on me. I'm feeling a little uneasy right now. And, uh, and so I went and I literally went to my prayer closet, which is my shower. For those of you who don't know, my wife will laugh at me. Um, but there's just something about the water when it's hitting you that it's just, I don't know, it, it drowns out everything else. Uh, all the men say amen, right? <laughs> uh, but then... In my prayer, I, I literally, I had been praying maybe for about 15, 20 minutes. And then I clearly heard, like, preach the message that you preach in Spanish. And I said, okay. And then I started to ask, like, are you sure? But then I said, no, I'm going to be obedient. But truth be told, part of me, I guess, you know, was still doubting. You know, because we all go through that, right? We all go through some type of doubt. And then we're, you know, we're here and, and I was going to be obedient no matter what. Just letting you guys know. I was going to be obedient. I said, all right. Let me translate some of my notes from Spanish to English, which, you know, for someone like me, it's, it's very hard. Pastor Ryan can say amen to that. Um, but, you know, we're, we're there, we're worshiping and we're singing, you know, uh, Yahweh will manifest. And then Sister Diamond begins to, to, to give me some words and it, it started to bring life to me. And, and all I could do was sit, sit here and break myself down because I'm like, God, even if I resent it, even, I mean, sorry, even if I doubt it, right, you're still there to confirm. Maybe it's not in the moment. Maybe it's going to happen a little bit later, right? But in my waiting, I realized, you know what, I'm being obedient. And then there's that confirmation. So praise God to that. 
So I have entitled this message, Faithful Waiting. Faithful Waiting. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, can you be a faithful waiter? Now turn to your other neighbor and say, for real though. (laughs) You see, there's a lot of times in our life where we're going to have to wait for things, right? Uh, There's things that we wait for that, you know, are really good. And there's just some things that, you know, you're just like, man, you're you're going through a process, right? Uh, But, you know, some of the examples of that is, you know, when when your wife is pregnant, you wait faithfully for your child to be born, right? Um, maybe you're going through a situation with your spouse and then you're, you're, you're faithfully waiting for, for, your, for your spouse to be restored, right? For your marriage to be restored. There's times where we're patiently waiting for our checks. I mean, let's just be real. You know, we, we got to get paid. We got to pay the bills. And the women of the church said, hey, okay, there you go. All right. Um, and there's times where we just wait and wait and wait and we're not getting an answer we wait and we ask God can you not hear my cry can you not hear the urgency in my voice please God I need you to come through right but when you say that it almost denotes like you or it implies that God isn't attentive to your prayer if we're saying that God is all-powerful all-knowing What makes you think that he doesn't know your situation? What makes you think that he doesn't understand your circumstance? What makes you think that he doesn't understand that you have something that you want to achieve? But God is trying to tell you something. God is trying to let you know, hey, if I were to give you everything that you wanted, you would be a spoiled brat. You see, we ask We ask and we ask, but we have forgotten that the true heart of a believer is more set on what he wants for us. We seek his will and not ours. And that's something that's very tough. We say amen, but do we really believe that? Do you really believe that in your waiting, God has a better plan for you? Do you really believe that in your waiting, he isn't that powerful to restore a marriage, to restore a family, to bring back that lost daughter, sister, brother from drug addiction, from uh, from lust, right? God can do everything. There's nothing that is, he is a limitless God, right? But the thing that we have to learn is waiting, waiting. And if there's someone who knew about waiting, it was King David. King David was anointed at the age of 16. Think about that for a second. Anointed to be king at the age of 16. Yet he had to wait Over a decade, about 15 years, some commentators say, to be king. Imagine what he went through in that time, right? There's, God, you've called me to be king. But I'm waiting year after year. But you know the one thing about David that he had? The one thing that God saw in him? When Samuel went to Jesse's house... He says, don't look at the appearance. Look at the heart. 
You see, your heart has to be humble, humble before God. What, what was David doing? He was, he, was a, he was a shepherding the sheep, right? He was taking care of the sheep. Do you know who that responsibility ultimately fell to? It was his older brothers. But the youngest son was the one who was doing it. Does that make sense to you? You know, we talk about, you know, all these things about David. But the one thing that he always had was that he was humble in the majority of the things that he did. And I say majority because I don't know the, his entire life, right? Um, but it, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling to me how David always wanted to just make his father happy. Not only his earthly father, but his heavenly father. So we see here that in the waiting, there's going to be, a, there's always going to be something that happens that where people are going to try and attack you, right? People are always going to try and uh, uh, underestimate who you are. David was always underestimated by his brothers. When he went to the camp, uh, when uh, they were about to battle the the Philistines in in, uh, Gilgal, his brothers were saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Right? What does that sound like? Who are you to be a Christian? Who are you to to tell me about God? Look at the way that you lived before. You know, your drug addiction, your, your alcohol addiction. You know, you were a womanizer before. But God didn't care when he calls you he calls you by name and he's and if you are obedient you will see the glory of God fall upon you so we see that the first thing in the waiting is the that that attacks right is always going to be the 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 sorry the enemy is 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 the flesh sorry the flesh is the enemy to the waiting because we start to get antsy and we start to do things by our own merit, right? What if Abraham had, had waited? Instead of listening to his wife, no, no, not, I'm not attacking the wives here. I'm just saying, just saying. What if Abraham had simply waited for the promise, right? We wouldn't have Ishmael. We would just have Isaac, right? But there's a the thing. We start to see things and we start to let our things get affected, our, our, our situations, our problems and our trials. And, and it starts to affect with us, right? So Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. You see, flesh in the Greek is sarks. And this denotes our human nature, our thoughts, emotions, and how we act, the earthly nature of mankind that is apart from divine influence. Therefore, we are more prone to sin and opposite of God. So when Paul references the flesh, he's referencing the mind. And our mind is always going to be affected by what we see. Peter when he calls out, God, call me out. When, he's, when Jesus is walking on, on the water, he calls him out and he starts to walk, right? I mean, it says that he took steps. It's not that he went out and all of a sudden drowned. He started to take steps, but he started to focus on the storm. King Saul in First uh, Samuel chapter 13, he started to notice that his army was leaving him. 
because Samuel had given him instruction to say, wait for, until the seventh day when I arrive, I will do the, the, uh, the, the, the offering, the burnt offering. But he took it upon himself. King Saul said, you know, no, I see my army fleeing, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Does that sound very familiar today? Does that sound familiar that we try to do things by our own merit, by our own strength? Then you look at the battle uh, with Goliath. For 40 days, 40 days, this Philistine giant is coming out and mocking, mocking the Israeli army. He is mocking our God. Man, nowadays, if people want to mock our God, bro, you don't know. But what did he do? It said, the word says that, he, they, that the army was dismayed and they feared. But see, we haven't been given a spirit of fear. We see so many things in our lives that can, that can confuse us, that can try and separate us from who God is. But church, I'm calling on the Davids of the church. I'm calling on the, on the Davids of this house to stand up, to stand in the gap without fear, without being discouraged, without being, you know what, saying, you know what, God, I know that you are with me. I know that you are with me. Wherever I go, your presence is me, is with me. Wherever I take a step, your presence is with me. But we have to, guys, we have to understand who God is. You see, King, da- uh, King Saul should have fought that battle. That was a test for King Saul. He should have known that the God who anointed him, who appointed him to be king, would have been there with him. And the victory was at his hands. But we sit here. And we look at our Goliaths, we look at our storms, and we give that more focus than who our God is. You see, if there's one thing I've come to understand in my life, is that the greater the problem, the greater my God. The greater that I see the defeat or that the enemies think that they have defeated me, the greater my victory is. You see, we need to start seeing the way that King David saw. What did King David uh, say when he he saw that giant? He said, what? Who is this uncircumcised giant? What uncircumcised problem do you have in your life right now that you need to say, I am with the Lord of hosts. My God is with me. And you may come against me with spear, sword, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of God, the name of Almighty, the name who is with me. David saw that. David saw his victory. He even said it himself. God will give you into my hands. But you see, there are times when we battle and we're trying to use somebody else's faith. We're trying to use somebody else's strength. What did King Saul do? He wanted to put his, that, his armor on him, right? I mean, it says that David, you know, wasn't like a very muscular guy. He was good looking. He was pleasing to the eye. But I don't imagine him being a, 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 like a man of war, right? Not in his appearance. 
for King Saul to say, you know what, let, let me give you my armor, it meant that he was just trying to extend that protection. What a fool. <laughs> what a fool. He didn't realize that he was already covered. He didn't realize that he didn't need his armor. You see, other people's armor is meant to hinder you, to slow you down. But when God has a purpose in your life, you shake it off. You get your sling ready. You pick up your five rocks and you go up. It says that David ran up to to Goliath when he started to come against him. He ran up. Church, why aren't we running? We need to be a church that runs. We can't stand still. We can't just sit on our behinds and say, God, I know that you're with me. No, we need to be a church of action. We need to be a church that can stand up and say, you know what? I'm going to where my God wants me to go. I am going to the promised land. I am going to my victory. So you see, there are times that you're going to face things that are going to hinder you. But when you know who your God is, mm, mm, give it to me, brother. Give it to me. You know that you're covered. You know that you serve a sovereign God. You know that you, he is your redeemer. He is your savior. You know what I, what I love about the story of David too? Is that he brings his resume along with him when he tells him, Hey, I'm going to, I'll fight him for you. Don't worry. He said, I've been fighting bears and lions. He's like, and when that, and when that, when that animal was trying to get me, I would grab it by its beard and club it to death. Do we have any head stompers in the house today? Do we have any devil beaters in here today? Do we have any believers today? He shows him his resume and he tells him, I've done this already. You see, what you don't understand is that there's going to be things that you're going to go through that's going to prepare you for your tomorrow. There's going to be things that you go through that's going to be the key to your victory. There are going to be things that you're going to go through in your waiting, in the process that brings you the victory today. We can't see with carnal vision. Carnal vision is going to be meant to hinder you, to slow you down, to see you to see a giant and and you get afraid. But when you see with spiritual vision, you see that rock going through that giant's head. When you have spiritual vision, you see a marriage restored. When you have spiritual vision, you see a daughter coming back into your life. When you have spiritual vision, you see those that are dead with love and then coming to the altars and asking God for forgiveness. Church, we need to stop focusing on our problems and start focusing on the God who has the answer, the God who makes a way, the God who provides the miracles. I still believe that we serve a God who can heal cancer. I believe that we serve a God that can restore. 
I believe that we serve a God that can bring revival, not to this city, not to this state, not to this country, but to the entire world. When you look at the churches outside of the Americas, Afghanistan, uh, Ukraine, Iran, those are some of the fastest growing churches right now. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of chaos, we still serve God who can go beyond what we even think, who can reach beyond what we can reach. But we need to have the, 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 the knowledge, the understanding, the revelation. You see, because there's many people here who have understanding and who have knowledge, but haven't received the revelation. David knew. He knew that Goliath would be defeated. Church, do you know that your Goliath can be defeated? Do you know that your Goliath can be defeated? No, no, no. I don't think you guys are hearing me. Do you know that your Goliath can be defeated? If you believe that today, why don't you stand up, give him a hand offering, give him a shout of joy, because we serve a God who still lives today. We serve a God who was the same yesterday, who is the same today. We serve a God. Oh, God, Holy Spirit, I feel you. We serve a God that is using our pastor to lead and guide us to the next season. You see, in 2020, we went through a rough season, right? Sister Karen preached on this, on this word and she, and she felt that uh, the Holy Spirit revealed to her that 2020 was meant a season of trial, a season of testing, right? Because when you add 2020, it adds up to 40. 40 represents your, your, your testing. 2021 was a new beginning for this church. 2021, I want to say that again. 2021 was a new beginning for this church. 2022 for me, and I'm going to speak for myself, was a year of spiritual growth. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there's been something brewing in here. And what the world doesn't understand is that there's a spirit, there's a presence here. There's a presence in this house that's had, that has lifted up marriages, that has restored marriages. There's a spirit here that is literally wanting to break out. There's a spirit here that's leading our pastor and he's taking him deeper. So 2023 is gonna be the season of, of being deeper going deeper into his presence, going deeper into his word, going deeper into prayer. Guys, but it doesn't stop here. We get our joy on a Sunday morning, but we have to be here Saturdays for prayer. We have to be here Wednesdays for Bible studies. You see, God is trying to raise up this church and take it to the next level. God is trying to raise up this church. Why do you think we have so many ministries? Pastor Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong. Five years ago, six years ago, we didn't have this many ministries. We have a men's ministry now. We had our first, uh, our first conference where we saw men broken down before God. We saw men that were literally crying. We saw men that were lifting each other up, holding each other by the hand. Guys, where do you see that? You see, revival is starting to happen here. 
We are the revival of this community. We are the revival of this city. We are the revival of this state. But it starts with us. It starts with each and every one of you. Our worship team, through the grace of God, has gotten bigger. A few years ago, we, we, we had maybe one or two bass players, one keyboardist, one guitar. Now we have an overabundance of them, with the exception of drums. Sorry, Will. I don't know where you're at. <laughs> but look what God is doing. Why? I believe that he's bringing us musicians. And, I'm, and, I, and I say this humbly, so please don't take this wrong. I believe that he's raising up musicians so that others can step out to start preaching, so that others can start evangelizing, so that others can go deeper with God. Church, <laughs> are you guys ready? Are you guys ready for 2023? This is the season where we need to go deeper with God. This is the season where we go deeper in prayer. You guys can go ahead and have a seat again. But stand up if you forget that joy and you want to shout. <laughs> See, there's something that God is doing. I want to make sure that you guys are aware of that. The crazy thing is in your waiting, in the process of waiting, one of the things that you're also going to see, you're going to see the, the fruit of hope. You're going to see the fruit of, of strength. You're going to see the fruit of trust. We say we trust God, but do we really? We say that we trust God, but do we faithfully wait? You see, there's benefits to waiting. Isaiah 40, 31, if you guys want to turn your books there really quick, gives us the benefits of waiting in trust. Isaiah 40, 31 says, yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. What was that key word? New strength. Do you get old strength? No, you get new strength. They will mount up with wings like, come on church, I gotta hear you say it. They will, they will run and not, they will walk and not become, mm. You see, in waiting, we gain new strength. This is why when the, this is why the weak, can, the weak can say, I am strong. Because what holds me up, what lifts me up, what sustains me, what carries me through any season that I may be in, through your rough patches. Maybe you're going through some problems with your marriage. Maybe you're going to, through some problems with your child. Maybe you're going through some problems at work. But what ultimately will sustain you, what will give you the new strength is God. He holds you with his mighty and righteous right hand. So you see, we have strength that is given by God. It's not by our family. It's not by our friends. Yes, they can sometimes assist in giving us a word of life, right? Giving, giving us a word that will encourage us. But ultimately, what gives you your new strength is our Heavenly Father. You see, when you come to understand, when you come to know, when you come to believe that He is your God, you will know that He is also your shield. 
You will also know that he is the one who set you free. You will also know that he is your redeemer. You will know that he is Jehovah El Shaddai, the all-powerful. You will know that he is Jehovah Rapha, my healer. You will know that he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. You will know that he is Jehovah Shalom, my peace. So you see, in my problems, in my in, in my waiting, I know who I have in my corner. I know that I serve a God that can ultimately bring me peace. Why? It, it always boggles me that David, being a man of war, could sleep comfortably through the night. Have you ever guys thought about that? I, I always know it in English. I don't know how to say it in English. Pastor, maybe you can help me. But it says, I, I, I'll go to sleep. I'll rest in peace. Right? In the middle of a war when uh, arrows, right? I don't know if they had invented catapults yet at that time. But in the middle of, of war, when you're hearing arrows fly over you, how can you truly go to sleep? I mean, it's like being in the ghetto and listening to gunshots. Right? But you sleep knowing that you're, you have peace. See, you sleep knowing because God is going to, is there with you. His angels camp around you and you're covered by the blood of the lamb. You know, it's funny. I, I, I grew up very modest. Um, my dad at an early age left us and, um, you know, we, we hit, we hit a rough patch where we survived on rice and beans. And, um, I don't know about you guys, but that's when I fell in love with ketchup because ketchup, when you add it to rice, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's something different. You see, but what always comforted me was the fact that we never lacked rice or beans. You know, I knew my mom was always hardworking and I don't say that because she's here, but I always knew that we were going to be okay. How much more peace do I have now knowing that I have a heavenly father who takes care of me? I can lose my job. I can lose everything around me. Everything around me can be falling and crumbling down. I can, you know what? I can have people talking behind my back, spitting my name out, cursing my name. But I know what? I know I have a God who gives me grace. You know, I, I had a, a coworker of mine who, um, when I first came to Houston, that was just slandering my name left and right. And there's times, man, where you, when somebody's talking about you, I don't know if we got any hood people up in here, but you just want to give them a backhand and a straight left and an uppercut, right? <laughs> I see sister, you be going like that. <laughs> My wife's a gangster too. I gave her a lot of problems. And man, there's times. That <laughs> but you know what? The hardest thing that you can extend to someone is that grace. I, you know, I, I, Martin Luther King said it best, you know, hate cannot drive our hate. Only light can do that. And we're called to be light. We're called to be a city on that hill. We're called to bring hope to the hopeless. We're, we're, we're messengers, guys. We're messengers of this great news. Sorry, I, I got out of track there, but it was just, I started laughing. <laughs> you see, the God that we serve in your midst of trials, tribulation, weakness, whatever it may be, he's such a good and amazing God that he's always going to bring you that new strength. 
He's always going to be there for you to provide. He's always going to be there for you to give you peace. You may not know where your next meal is coming from, but God always comes through. So you see, it says that they will mount up with wings like eagles. Who here likes the eagle? It's my favorite bird. I mean, we're getting a little hood here now. Birds are gangsters. You see, our battles cannot be fought on the ground. We're at a disadvantage. We are at a straight-up disadvantage. The battle of the Philistines uh, against the Israeli army, it was the, one was on one hill, the other one was on another hill. Do you know why they never went down? Why they waited 40 days? Because whoever went down first, the one up high had the upper edge. See, it's, it's strategy. Guys, our waiting is strategy. There's a process to our strategy. When you take your battle up high, you will soar like an eagle. You see, I started to understand what the, I started to read up on the, what the eagle does. And when the eagle is going to battle a snake, you know what it does? It starts up high. It starts with its vision. It wants to see where that snake is at. And when that, when, when that eagle is ready to attack, it swoops down and grabs it up. And then all of a sudden, it begins to twist and turn. And it's taking him higher and higher and higher. Why? The serpent can't breathe up, and, up high. Same way the devil... He can only fight right here. He can fight on the ground. But when you start taking your prayers to God, baby, you got to pick it up and jump. Baby, you got to start praising some God. You, you got to start praising. I don't think you guys understand. My battle is never going to be right here. My battle is on my knees going up. My battle is always going to the, to the most high God. I don't know about you guys, but are you ready for battle? Are you ready? Are you ready to soar like an eagle? Are you ready to tell that devil, you know what? You may have taken this from me, but I'm going back into your camp and I'm going to took back what you stole from me. I'm going to stomp on your head, baby, until you can't get up. I'm going to make you so dizzy, so weary. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to knock you out. Mama said knock you out. We're going to, it's a battle. Our weight is a battle. It is a battle. You see, when the eagle's done with that snake, it drops it down and it just starts to poke at it. In your praise and in your worship, as you're going through your battle, you know that you have the victory. So start poking at it. Start poking at that. That will say, hey, you know what? You thought you could. You thought you could come into my life and mess me up. You thought you could come into my church and mess me up. You thought you could come into my marriage and my family and you could mess that up. But mm -mm, that's one of those times where you just got to go, because God is with you. Amen. So they will run and not get tired. They will run and not get tired. How many of us get tired? Let's be honest. We work. We, We, huh? Yeah. She's tired right now. But hopefully this, this word is bringing you life, sister. Hopefully this word is giving you the energy that you need. You see, Hebrews 12.1 tells us that we run a race that is set before us. And we run it with determination, discipline, and endurance. 
determination, discipline, and endurance. You know, I don't know about you guys, but in my walk, it's been very hard. And I'm, I'm not saying it like in, a, in, a, in a negative way, right? I think there's a lot of things that affect my mind. There's a lot of things that I see that, that, that before were hindering me down. And when God called me into the ministry, I wasn't expecting it, truth be told. I really wasn't. Preaching was the last thing on my mind. <laughs> you know, my dad had just passed away. And uh, a few days before, that's when I get reconciled with God. I grew up in the church, but, you know, the enemy's astute. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, he, he, he wants to, you know, steal your joy. He wants to steal what God has in plan for you. If he can't steal it from you, he wants to kill you. He wants to kill your faith, right? He wants to just, you know, just say, hey, you know what? Don't believe in anything. And if he can't kill you, he can't kill your faith, then he wants to destroy. He wants to destroy your marriage, your house, your family, right? So when I, when, when I was called, I needed four confirmations, to be honest with you. <laughs> I hadn't, I hadn't yet learned to discern the voice of, of God yet. And, um, but God is good. God is good. I mean, why else would I be here up today preaching to you guys? You know, the same hope that I have, I, I want you guys to have. This, you know, the same troubles that, 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 that I went through that in my way, I, I want you guys to know that there's a hope for you guys. There, there, that there's a promise. That there's an anointing. In your weakness, you always, always need to know that you are anointed. You're here not by, by mere coincidence, but by divine influence. Someone's here. So you're here today because someone told you to come here. You're here today because God wants you with him. Pastor Danny preached a message this morning where he said that it's, it's Christ in us, right? And more often times than not, we think that Christianity is all about, you know, having uh, the relationship, right? It's trying to get closer to, to, to Christ. But over 70 times, the Bible tells us, that it's Christ in us. So you see, we already have Christ. The problem is that we just need to go deeper with Christ. And we choose not to. You see, if the Christ who is in you is in me, is in you, then baby, we got to do some searching. We got we to gotta get closer to him. We got to get closer to who he is. We want to understand who he is. So you see, the more you get deeper with God, in your race, you're not going to grow. You're not going to get tired. You're going to have endurance. God is running that race with you. God is running that race with you. I don't know who needs to hear that today. God is running that race with you. He hasn't forsaken you. He hasn't left you. He is with you. Then we see that he um, says that we will walk and not become weary. Walk and not become weary. Colossians uh, 2.6 tells us that we walk in communion with Jesus. To walk in the Greek is uh, peripateo. First John tells us that if we walk with him, if we walk with Jesus, then there's truth, there's light, and there's fellowship. There's truth, light, and fellowship. There's truth in his word. He says, I am the way, I am the truth. Right? There's light. We're called to be light. I can't look at someone in this church and say that I see darkness. 
Each one of us here has a light that we need to shine. Not to one another, but to the community, to the city. We can't hide our light, guys. We can't be ashamed of who Jesus is in our lives. We can't be ashamed to preach the gospel because there's a lot of people right now. This world is telling us that we need to change our identity, the way that we think, the way that we act, the way that we speak, the way that we eat. You see, when God is with you, you reveal the truth to them. Sorry, let me rephrase that. You are a vessel to reveal truth. If you guys are afraid to speak the truth, then you have to start developing some courage. You have to start understanding who God is in your life and what he's done for you. If he's your redeemer, if he's your savior, then why can't he do that for everyone else? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say Pastor Damaris. It doesn't say Pastor Brandon. It doesn't say Houston. It doesn't say Texas. It says the world. That means even the most despicable person that we can think of, the most vile person that we can think of, they deserve to hear the good news. So you see, we walk with Jesus. I want to end it with this really quick. A lot of preachers are known for giving a word and they don't, uh, they don't give you the how. They don't give you the, the, the explanation of how to do things, right? Um, and, and that's very discomforting. It's very sad to hear, to be honest with you. Because when you're hearing a good uh, sermon, there's plenty of times where you're going to ask questions like, okay, so how do you do that? Teach me to pray. Uh, you know, how, how, how do I walk with Jesus? How do I do this? How do I do that? And, pre- and preachers, for some reason, don't, don't give you the how. So I, I, I want to talk. I want to show you guys really quick. I'm going to give you five things really quick on how to wait. And if I can ask the worship team to come up. So how to wait. The first one is recognizing his sovereignty. You see, there's nothing that we are going through that it's outside of what has already been declared over you. There is a divine purpose for your life. Your trials are meant to be a test. Your test is meant to produce the patience, the perseverance, and the faith. But you have to understand who God is in your life. I don't think you guys are hearing me. Who is God in your life? Who is God in your life? I know who he is in my life. I can answer my question. But can you guys honestly say, this is who my God is in my life? This is who, this is what God has brought me out of? This is what God has been able to put me through to get to his purpose, to his will? Secondly, know that your dependence is in God. I said this a little bit earlier. We try to do things by our own merit. Church, we try to do things by our own strength. You know, I don't mean to, hopefully my wife doesn't slap me across the head later. You know, when when I reconciled with God, um, I think there was probably a little bit of doubt in her mind. I'm not, you know, she can say that better than I can. But I, I sense that there was doubt because of the interactions that took place afterwards. And I said, you know, I really feel like God is calling me for more. 
and Pastor Melissa can relate to this. You know, like when Pastor Ryan was called, she's like, hold up, wait a minute. Mm-mm. She's, I mean, she's spoken honestly about it. But there started this rift and this battle between me and my wife. And, and again, it's not a like, oh man, it's, it's bad. But I understood that I couldn't change her. I couldn't, I understood that I couldn't change her mind. I couldn't do anything of that nature. It was only because of me going down on my knees and praying for him, seeking guidance, seeking direction. And I still do because I still make mistakes a lot of the times. She knows it. She'll laugh about it now. She'll hit me later. But she knows. I knew that my battles cannot be won just by arguing with her. If you have someone right now that you're praying for that you want them to come to church, you can talk to them with love. You can talk to them with everything. But baby, you got to get on your knees. Prayer is such an effective, is, is the most effective tool that we have. You see, prayer gets us deeper. Prayer brings us closer. But prayer also gives us the hope and the, and the faith that we need. So understand that your dependence is slowly, it, it's, it's, it's on him. Number three. Number three, prayer. If our Savior prayed, how much more do we need to pray? Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice in hope, persevere in, uh, in tribulation, and be devoted to prayer. Church, I dare say that we in the Americas have been spoiled. Here in the West, we have been spoiled. That we, we think that a five-minute prayer is all we need. Some of us need a whole day of prayer and fasting. Some of us need to really get down on our knees and just start seeking guidance, seeking his will. Start praying for the family members that are lost. Stop, start praying for those, uh, for, for those who, who, you know, are dealing with some crazy things. You see, prayer is so important. The best way I can put it, it, is, it, it, it quenches my spiritual, my spiritual thirst. Prayer by yourself, but also prayer in community. One of the reasons that I brought up our Saturday prayer team, our, our, our prayer sessions is because more oftentimes than not, we see maybe about 15 to 20 people here. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody. But what if we had a church that came united to pray? What if we had a church that was just here on their knees and calling out to God to revive this city, to revive this nation? What if we had a church that was just seeking more of who he is? Guys, we have not because, because we ask not. We need to be a church that prays, that seeks his Holy Spirit. If we're called Numa, it's for a reason. I don't think that's coincidence. When Peter was freed from jail in Acts 12 by an angel, Peter goes to Mary's house. And what, did, what do you think he found? He found people praying in unity. So prayer is very important. Number four, there are times when we need to wait in silence. Oh, Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but the silence is the, the enemy of patience. Wives, have you ever asked your, question, uh, uh, your husband a question that he was just like, huh? And you're, and you're waiting in the silence, but you're waiting. Yeah, my wife says all the time. <laughs> but you're, you're waiting for an answer. And you're like, did you hear me? 
Did you hear me? This is a little bit different. Sometimes we need to pray just to seek his voice, see, truly understand what it is that he wants for us. You see, there's three voices in our heads. That of the Father, that of our, ourselves, and that of the enemy. Three voices. And they're all going up against God. God wants you to do something, but you start to doubt. So that's you. You're like, oh, well, God, is this really what you want? Uh, you know, I don't know. This, is, this isn't great. I so there's your two voices. The third voice is the enemy. The enemy will always tell you something that will contradict what God says. When you, when you hear that you're good for nothing, that you're, yeah, you, people are going to despise you. People don't like you. You can't sing. You can't preach. That's the voice of the enemy. You see, we need to become a church who understands, who needs to understand how, how to really discern those three voices. And maybe at a later time, we can bring that word. But we need to wait in silence. We need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When you ask the great evangelists of, uh, of, of our time, the great preachers, the great the prophets, they're all going to say the same thing. I prayed and I waited in silence because I didn't want to take one step without knowing what my father wanted for me. I didn't want to take one step without what the Holy Spirit wanted. Church, are you ready to wait in silence? Let's go ahead and stand on, on I'm about to finish here. Psalm 6, uh, 62, 5 says, My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. Number five is we wait in His presence. If you guys can, please go back to Psalms 27. Psalms 27, verse 4 and 5 says, One thing I have asked. Can you guys say that with me? One thing. One thing I have asked of the Lord is that I shall seek I shall seek that I may dwell in his house, in the house of the Lord. We need to continuously seek his presence. We need to continuously seek what he, what he wants for us. But we can't do it without him. Just as Moses said, I will not go unless your presence goes with me. Church, we need to be a church that seeks his presence every day, every second, from the moment that you wake up, from the moment that you go to sleep. We need to seek his presence to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. You see, you are safe because he is with you. You are safe because you are in his presence. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up upon a rock. Who do we think that rock is? Jesus. Jesus. You see, church, I believe that this word was given to me because God wants to tell you something today. I believe he wants to reconfirm what Pastor Ryan preached on a, a couple of weeks ago in waiting. I believe that he's trying to get to, trying to get to your heart and get to, to to really affect with your mind and tell you, wait, just wait, wait, wait. Don't try to do things by your own strength. Don't try to do things on your own merit. Wait, wait on the Lord. Is he not faithful? Is he not faithful? Can you not count your blessings today? Can you not count everything that he's done for you? You say, God, I'm not deserving of this. I look at my life and I say, God, I don't deserve this. 
deserve your grace, yet you give it to me. Why? Because he loves you. He loves each and every one of you. He wants to have that inner closeness with you. He wants you to go deeper. He wants you to know who he is. He wants you to know that he is Jehovah Rapha, that he is your healer. He wants you to know that he is El Shaddai, all powerful. He wants you to know that he is Adonai, your Lord. He wants you to know that he is your provider. Church, in the waiting, your hope and your faith will just continue to grow. You will know that in every situation, God is with you, that he has never abandoned you, that he has not forsaken you. You may be going through something right now. You may be going through a rough season. But can I tell you something? We serve a God who controls the seasons. He controls the storms. And if he says cease, they will stop. We are given this authority. Jesus said, greater things you will do. You want to see healing? You want to see miracles? Be a church that prays. Be a church that waits. Don't think that things are going to happen right away. But we need to be a church that can get here before God. Seek his face. Seek his presence. Go after his heart. And know that in your waiting, he will come through. He does not fail. He does not fail. He does not fail. The victory is yours. You just need to wait for the purpose. You need to wait on the promise. You need to wait in every season. Church, I'm going to ask that we all come up to the altars because I believe that God is wanting to do something. I believe that the Holy Spirit is wanting to break chains. He is wanting to break generational curses. He is wanting to restore marriages. He is wanting to restore lives. The problem is that we sometimes deal with pride and we think that we have nothing to go up for. If you have no issues right now, I'm telling you right now, then you are doing something wrong because the enemy should always be after you. The enemy should always be wanting to put you through the fire. And just as in Daniel 3, we know that he is with us in the fire. Guys, I've seen promises come to life in this church. A good friend of mine just preached last week his first message after a long time where he was open about his marriage. I've seen people be the marriages be restored. I've seen my own marriage be restored. I've seen healings. We had Brother Cesar who was in a terrible car accident and should have died and shouldn't even be walking, yet he's walking. And you know what I rejoice with the most is that in his, in his time of season when he couldn't walk, he was just happy to move his feet. We take the small things for granted because we always want the big things, but the small thing will always lead you to the bigger. Don't waste your seconds on anything that is nothing that has nothing more to do than God. Your seconds will turn into minutes. Minutes will turn into hours. Hours will turn into days. Days will turn into months. Months will turn into years. That was my problem. Don't waste another moment of your life. Come to the altars. Seek his presence. Seek his will. Seek his understanding. Get that revelation, church. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.